My name is Lex, and this week on the season finale of Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss Bob Parachetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the benefits of telling superhero stories with animation, and why this is the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. Get ready to take a leap of faith, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man movies. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Uh, last week, we had a discussion on Spider-Man Far From Home, which, if you didn't watch that episode, we really liked that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, in my opinion, I think the most valid uh, live-action uh, MCU one so far. It's, it's really good. Uh, I love it Homecoming. Is. I really do. But uh, Far From Home is, uh, on the whole, a little better, I think. Far From Home is very good. And in the meantime, there have been, like, set photos that have come out from Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, which, they don't tell us much, but what they do tell us seems exciting. Uh, there's a slightly redesigned Far From Home suit. Uh, it's like It doesn't have those black bands that are on the belt line, and the belt line is actually pointier on the end, like the actual comics. Yeah, so I like nice. that. I only uh, took one look at it. I probably should have looked at it again before recording this, but I, I'm trying to like go in as fresh as possible. It's, it's some kind of it's some kind of Christmas scene where Peter goes to meet MJ at her job in a donut store. Hmm. Uh, my gamer my gamer premonition, the gamer hypothesis, is that I think it's good. It's a post. It's like a not a post credits, but it's a scene at the end of the movie. Sure. Uh, because. He's walking around in broad daylight, and nobody's like, "Who the fuck? Get get this motherfucker!" Hey, uh, it's a spider guy. Faded posters of uh, a group called Citizens to Defend Spidey, uh, and another one where it's a bunch of Mysterio believers, mm. which seems very exciting. I like that. The phrase "Mysterio believer" is really, really something to me. <laughs> M anon, flat earther, <laughs> Mysterio believer. Yeah, dude, it's a, <laughs> the age of, of Flat Earthers and QAnon. We might as hey, well have man. Mysterio be our, our villain of the of the month. Tower Bridge was an inside job. Holy shit, it was. Holograms can't melt steel beams. <laughs> uh, but we're getting off topic. Uh, this week, we're talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Boy, So that's we. very exciting. This movie is really good. I'm immediately, I I just I I'm gonna go out and say it right now. I don't have a lot of notes for this episode. Neither of us do, uh, because <laughs> there's only so many ways that you can just write the same phrase over and over again. Like this scene is good. This scene is good. This performance is good. I really like this part. It's like they've really just saved up years and years and years of backlogged good Spider-Man writing and just dumped it into one movie. It's Sony. Uh, Sony was saving their energy ever since uh, 2004 to make a good Spider-Man movie on their own. It's it's so sincerely solid. It's bizarre. They they, they had all their energy up in their reservoirs. They did. <laughs> they didn't waste it for Spider-Man three or the the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And they're like, we'll let Marvel have those. Their power could not be contained. Their power couldn't be contained. Uh, but anyway, this movie 
was released on December 14th, 2018. Uh, so we're going a little bit backwards in time, but we had to, we just had to finish the season with this movie. There oh, was yeah. no other option. Very strong note. Uh, this movie was directed by three people. It's an animated film, so multiple directors is a pretty common occurrence. Uh, Bob Paraschetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. Bob, I hope I didn't uh, butcher your name. <laughs> uh, Peter Ramsey uh, previously directed Rise of the Guardians, the Jack Frost movie, with uh, Chris Pine, who is also in this movie. Uh, and Rodney Rothman wrote 22 Jump Street, the sequel to the 21 Jump Street remake, reboot, whatever. Uh, and the movie itself was written by Rothman and Phil Lord. Da, da, da. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, uh, who produced this movie. Uh, and I think, Alex, your icon on Twitter is by Phil Lord? Yes, uh, I'm a big, big, big Lord and Miller fan. Big fan of a lot of their projects. Uh, Phil Lord was doing this, uh, like, hey, if you register to vote, Florida citizens, I will draw you. And I said, hey, I did draw me and he drew me and i freaked the hell out incredibly yeah, that's, based that's in all like our thumbnails and stuff it's my current twitter that's, that's the icon that i decided to use recording. uh i am in love with it and i want to get a print of it framed uh i will never shut the fuck up about it because phil lord drew me he scribbled out the doom posters on my wall man it's great <laughs> it's really good <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Phil Lord is obviously most known for partnering with Christopher Miller, and the two of them directed 21 Jump Street, the movie, uh, the Lego movie, and they co-created Clone High. So they've done lots of stuff together, and most of it very good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, their their show, they have a sitcom, The Last Man on Earth with uh, Will Forte, that I, I recommend to everybody I've ever watched TV with, and uh, I've seen it a few times. It ends on a cliffhanger, and it got canceled, but I, ah, wah, wah. God, I love it so much. Uh, and the story itself is just by Lord. Uh, mm -hmm. This movie, once again, like, uh, not, not, it's not quite as bad as our uh, Avengers episodes, but there are lots of people in this movie, so I, I'm going to have to cut some people. Uh, but let's get through it. There's a lot of slashes this time. Also, like the Avengers movies. Uh, this this movie stars Shamik Moore as Miles Morales slash Spider Man, uh, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker slash Spider Man, uh, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy slash Spider Woman, Liev Schreiber as Wilson Fisk slash the Kingpin, Mahershala Ali as Aaron Davis slash the Prowler. Nicholas Cage as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man Noir. John Mulaney as Peter Porker slash Spider-Ham. Kimiko Glenn as Penny Parker. Uh, Chris Pine as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. <laughs> and Lily Tomlin as Aunt May. A lot of people it's in this movie. Spider-May. No, no Spider-Man, just May. <laughs> Can you imagine if they had tried to pull that off in this movie? Oh, what, what? I, I don't, actually don't remember what she's called in the comics. Where there's like a what if issue where like yeah, what if May was? I think it's like Spider Crone. I think is what she's called. Save it for the sequel, I guess. It's so funny. Uh, the music in this movie is by Daniel Pemberton. The movies that he is best known for scoring is uh, he scored the Steve Jobs movie with uh, Michael Fassbender. Uh, he did the Man from Uncle. And most recently, uh, Birds of Prey, 
Hmm. The score for that movie. This movie had a budget of only $90 million and a box office of $375.5 million. So they made their money back. But this is, out of all the ones we've talked about, the lowest grossing Spider-Man movie. And it's a shame because this movie is really, really good. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, like, almost horseshoe effect kind of thing where, like, either way you go, if you make a kid's movie or if you make your movie R, you alienate, like, a chunk of your audience just on principle. Um, And I wouldn't even really call this a kid's movie. No, 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 by no means. But just because it's animated, that already turns off, like, a a significant chunk of cinema goers. You know what I mean? (laughs) That is true. But we're going to get... I guess we'll talk about it more later on. But I really think this movie makes you really wonder why there aren't more big budget animated superhero movies like this cuz oh, this yeah. is like the perfect format for I think in the what is it 26 years since Toy Story came out I think this is probably like the most significant uh, 3D animated movie that's come out since 1995 It's I, really I fucking feel, good. I feel no shame in saying that. It's really fucking good. And also uh can't forget this. Uh this movie won an Academy Award for best yeah, animated feature. Beating I, out <laughs> fucking Wreck-It Ralph too. Yeah, what strong, strong competition there. I am always, I am always thinking about that little store display that they had in like a Target, where it's like, why <laughs> <Yeah, they were laughs> best Ralph. best animated feature? Uh, Ralph breaks the internet. They were banking on it being the winner. <laughs> they didn't like our self-promoting Disney movie with Disney.com and Star Wars. Remember Star Wars? Remember Star Wars? It's it's so funny that Disney got beat out by a property they own. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, that's it for the basic facts. Alex, do you hmm. have any personal experiences with this movie? I sure do. I don't remember specifically what the first movie was that had the trailer for this attached. I want to say it was a Marvel movie. I honestly don't remember. But I remember seeing that first teaser trailer for this where it, it's a scene that's like, and it, it, I think it's like mastered differently in the movie, but my, it's towards the end of the third act right after the leap of faith where Miles like breathes for a bit and like pulls up his mask and yes. it's, it's a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse next year, next Christmas or something. And I was like, oh my God, I don't think I had heard a word about it at that point. And I had, uh, I had read some Ultimate at that point. I was familiar with like the basics of who Miles was, but that kind of like spurred me into like a a deep reread of the, all of the ultimate, like from the beginning. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I remember seeing this movie in the theater. I was living in Iowa when this came out. Um, I was seeing snow. I think this was my, like, what was it? December of 18? Was it? Yes. I've been there about a year. So this was my second winter there. So, you know, I was kind of over the whole snow thing. <laughs> I say, I say comfortably from my home in Florida in January. Now a changed man. Uh, but I, I saw this in the theater and I sin- sincerely enjoyed it. Um, I think I still have my ticket stub, actually. I, I do, for sure. Um, I will not forget, like, exiting the theater and being like, oh my god, that was better than anything. That was better than Spider-Man 2, even. God, this like, I was, so I, was, good. I was prepared for it to be good, but I was not prepared for it to be as good as it was. I've, I've, said, this, I've, I've said the phrase, this movie is so fucking good, so many times on this podcast. <laughs> and I, it, that, it, 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 felt, it feels like hyperbole sometimes, but I really genuinely mean it. Uh, right, but this I, movie is like in a whole, like, this movie is like... It's in its own league. I, I don't know. It's 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 like it's fucking magnificent, is what it is. It really is. 
it's it, so it's good. It's a perfect use of the medium. It's a perfect use of the source material. It works on levels that aren't even conceivable. It's yes, we're gonna talk all about it. It's so <laughs> fucking good. Uh, I remember seeing the teaser poster for this movie when it yes. first came out, where it's Miles falling upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I personally, like I've, like I've said in the past, most of the comics that I've read are older stuff. I've mostly read the Lee Ditko runs, some of the Lee Ramita run. Uh, I never read a whole lot of Ultimate Comics, just stuff I picked up every now and then. So I never actually read a lot of the Miles comics, but I have right. absorbed a lot of uh, other media that includes Miles in it. And I just recently, uh, number one, acquired a PlayStation 5, and number two, finally played the Miles Morales video game. Mm. And one thing that I have uh, I have a complaint about in that game is that Miles in the game is nowhere near as good as he is in this movie. Right. Uh, because just from having absorbed a lot of information about the comics uh, and all of the other materials, it feels like a problem that people writing Miles have, even Brian Michael Bendis has, is trying to differentiate Miles as a character from Peter. Right. I think that's the biggest hurdle to hop always. And again, I haven't read the comics, but I've heard... You can maybe you can back me up that that was an issue in those first few issues with Bendis is oh, yeah. that it was it, it Miles didn't really feel like his own character. He felt like just a, a slightly different coat of paint on Peter. It definitely took a little while for him to develop his own like, uh, I don't know, personality and tone, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh, it's yes. been probably give or take three question mark years since I've read these. Um, Maybe longer, maybe more like four years. Uh, but I, I do remember as it went on before I found I, I don't remember when I stopped. I think it was when it was at a current stopping place. But again, that was a few years ago. Um, I do remember thinking, OK, wow, this is finally good. <laughs> that was a thought I had. But yeah, that, that's a problem that plagues a lot of Miles adaptations. And it, it's a problem that I have in, in the PS4, PS5 game uh, is that Miles doesn't is sort of charismaless and doesn't feel like his own character he just feels like a more boring version of peter but this is not the case in this movie not my office is out the gate like his own unique character and it's really really well done uh Very. but getting off of that little sidetrack uh i also remember seeing this movie in the theater and i really i saw the day it came out uh it was really- i believe i did too really fucking good i ended up seeing it three more times in the theater so i've seen it four times in the theater uh, I have all my tickets for it, obviously. Uh, and then I ended up seeing it a couple more times at home. So this most recent viewing, I believe, is my eighth viewing of this movie. Uh, I saw it at one at one thirty p.m. Uh, on the fourteenth. Nice of December. That was, a, that was a good couple of days there. Good couple of days. Uh, that was also the same year that I ended up getting my Spider-Man tattoo, so uh, I, yeah, I, had pl- I had planned that out very surreptitiously, and it really ended up working out for me. I remember when I was actually getting it, uh, my <laughs> the guy who was doing my tattoo, I think his name was Kyle, uh, he was talking to me about the tattoo, he was like, you're getting a Spider-Man tattoo? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like well, he's never let me down yet. Uh, and yeah, that is still true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Especially that year. Because uh, that was also the year of the PS4 game. Oh, yeah. Wow. What a roundabout good year for Spider-Man. Good year. 
Because then he was, it was also an Infinity War that year. Good year. So uh, anyway, sorry again, <laughs> going off going off track. Welcome uh, to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Yeah. What is the plot of this movie? Well, it's a hell of a plot. It it it's it's uh it's a good plot. It's an original plot. Um, it it you know with Spider Man movies. You know how many origin stories there are to tell in one, let alone you know one with this many spider people. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna immediately go out right from the beginning. <laughs> uh, number one, I, I don't want to ignore this. I love that it starts with the comics code seal. Yeah, that's really fun. Absolutely. Uh, it that's a a great reference that like maybe a third of the audience will be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had a had a book when I was a kid uh, called. It's like it's like a it's like one of those it's a book about like Stanley's stories and it comes with a little uh audio device so like every every couple of pages in the book there'll be like a a number that you can push and then it will play a clip from Stan talking about that thing and there was I remember listening to that thing about the comics code I was like oh this is really interesting hmm. and yeah I just I'm always, I always think about that which is nice uh but anyway uh, yes. I want to talk about this this little intro uh, because I've said before many times in the podcast that I love montages of Spider-Man doing stuff, and I think that this this is maybe the like most scientifically perfect version of it. Yeah, they really like figure out like like scientifically and like laboratory style. They figure out how do we convey who this guy is, what he does, and how he does it. And they they introduce us to uh, kind of an I don't think this is it's not specifically the six one six Spider Man right it's it's just a Spider Man that's kind of adjacent they, they have they have uh, this is technically actually technically sixteen ten because it's the ultimate universe right 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 uh, the, the the numbers are all from the comics but because this is an adaptation it's not technically sure. officially in those universes this is just some spider-man who kind of did some of the same stuff that toby's did kind of it's, he kind of did a little bit of all of it yeah it's 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 pretty much the ideal spider-man except mm -hmm. that he has blonde hair and blue eyes yeah this guy he uh he's he's the chris pine spider-man uh peter no initial parker uh i just call him blonde peter yeah, <laughs> uh, introduces himself to the audience through some some not too bad narration. Narration in movies is always a fine line to walk, uh, and they they do it really well here because you know Spider Man is supposed to be a chatty character. I always cite Blade Runner <laughs> as the bad example, like the theatrical cut. They but, blast uh, through the they blast through the whole origin in like thirty seconds. Like mm -hmm. you get the whole gist of it. It's like yes, Good. absolutely. Um, you know, we we know who Spider Man is. We know what he does. Uh, they show off that he has like in universe comics, tie in serial. I, I like that. I like that, that. I like that because it's the ideal version of Peter. He's managed to like license his image and actually make money from it, which was a yeah. problem that Peter has always had in the comics of like people making unofficial merch of him. Can't make a check out to Spider Man. But know? this 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 ideal Peter, he's somehow managed to do it. And mm -hmm. you know what? Good for him. They even uh, throw us a bone and give us like a rotoscoped Peter dance. Oh uh, God, yes, from Spider-Man Three. That funky soul. Um, but he's uh, he he's by and large, this is a good Spider-Man. This is a solid Spider-Man. Um, good. One of the one of the few in the proud, and the only supposedly. 
in the same universe, we're introduced to Miles Morales, uh, who is getting ready to start attending a private school. It's kind of a very uh, fast and loose adaptation of the comic Miles, where uh, they, they briefly mention that he did win a lottery to gain entrance to this like private science academy. But uh, he also passed like an application, and it it is the same school, I think, Visions Academy. I want to say that's a direct adaptation yes, of it. Yes, like, Visions Academy, yeah. Uh, they, they do some fiddling here and there with the story. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but Miles does experience in the comics like a loss similar to like an Uncle Ben moment that isn't yes. Uncle Aaron. Uh, and that doesn't happen in this movie. And I was kind of prepared for that to happen. And I was like, oh, well, that's an interesting twist. So, you know, little changes here and there. Uh, Jeff Jefferson is a cop, uh, one of I, I guess one of the only valid cop besides RoboCop, maybe. Who knows? Robo, uh, RoboCop and Captain Stacy and Jefferson Davis. Yeah, there you go. Uh, unfortunate name, Jefferson Davis. But yes, very, uh, very odd that they would choose that. Thank you. Uh, I've never understood that one. But thank you very much, man. Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> and his mother, uh, Rio, um, who is a nurse, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, Miles goes around, you know, he's passing his old friends on the street, tagging street signs with stickers that he, you know, we saw him making in the intro uh, until he's stopped on the street by his dad, who sees him tagging shit and escorts him to school in his cruiser. This whole opening scene, again, like I said, it really sets the tone of differentiating Miles from Peter very quickly. Yeah, he's not talking to himself by a bus. No, he's... He's they they uh, the first thing that they focus on is him being a great artist, mm-hmm. and that that is really what differentiates him because he's still smart, which is really should be a key of Spider-Man is you should be at least a little smart. And and another thing outside of uh, his artistry they focus on is I really like that he's like flubbing the words to a, a popular song on the radio yes. that he doesn't like. And they're like sexual lyrics, too, that he's totally like dropping the ball on and doesn't understand because he's a stupid kid, you know, and that's that's an aspect of him that is different than most versions of Peter, because in a lot of Peter stories, he's either a young man becoming an adult, like at the end of high school, or he's already like a 30 year old man, you know? Yes. So for Miles, who is very much a child in almost every adaptation of his story, not every, but I think I think in the comics, he became Spider-Man like 13. Yeah, very young. And in this, I think he is maybe Close around the same age. Or 16. Maybe, maybe, four, maybe 15. I think yeah. I want to say 15, like Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just, just having him come from, at, come from it at a different angle. Because in the mm-hmm. PS4 game, you meet Miles and he's like 16. So he doesn't feel that different from Peter. Sure. Uh, but yeah, they have, obviously he has his, like I said before, he had his, he has his, uh, his focus on art. Uh, he has a family unit, uh, that he has a good relationship with his parents other than just living with his aunt and uncle. His father's not the most important man in the world. Exactly. Uh, he's going to a, he's going to a nice prep school. Uh, they live very different lives and that's, you have to, you have to get that right. If you're going to make him. That, that that's a hard line to walk with when you're making a legacy character. And this movie already has done it borderline it, flawlessly. Immediately, within like the first like ten minutes, they've established not Peter. Exactly. That's why it's so good. <laughs> so as uh Jefferson Davis takes his son to school, uh there's a news report about Spider Man. Uh and you know, we get informed that his dad, uh 
Officer Davis. I don't know what else to call him. I hate saying Jefferson Davis. Um, <laughs> uh, is not a fan of Spider-Man, which is a pretty like regular cop opinion, I think. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty the, regular cop opinion that well, Spider-Man is bad. Most cops don't like Spider-Man. There's a handful that do. I think like comic Captain Stacy did, and there's the lady cop whose name I can never remember from the Ultimate comics. Um, there's a few cops that are like, hey, he's a good guy. Give him a break. But Yuri. for the most part, they're like, hey, he stinks and I don't like him. <laughs> Yuri is the lady cop. Yeah, yeah. Yuri watching that. Uh, right? Once um, once they arrive at school, we get a great little, you know, I love you. You got to say it back moment. I think that was in a bunch of the trailers. Um, you know, really good, embarrassing father son dynamic. My- Miles and his dad's relationship is really good. It's the in fact, all of the character writing in this movie is good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's the living embodiment of uh, parents just don't understand, I think. It's just don't understand. Uh, it's it's we, really funny. We are a long way from the uh, mind-numbing conversations of Spider-Man 2 and 3 and the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are a light long years way. away. Um, Miles, uh, you know, he's, he's getting into his schoolwork and stuff and adjusting to his new environment here at the Academy. Um, eventually he's introduced to, uh, Gwen Stacy, uh, who I really like in this movie because it's so refreshing to have like a fully fleshed out Gwen character on the screen. Kelly Steinfeld Uh, is really good in the role. I I do like what Emma Stone brought to the table, but it was just so going nowhere that it, it, it was almost pointless. And Bryce Dallas Howard might as well have been like, you know, uh, a cardboard cutout. (laughs) <laughs> uh she was a plot device not a character um i i am so thrilled that they finally got to tell a gwen story that didn't totally suck in this movie i just really like Haley steinfeld and everything i've seen her in uh and she's really good here and i'm i, I hope she'll be back for the squeakquel i've not seen bumblebee yet but you've recommended it i believe bumblebee is very good she's gonna be in that hawkeye show as kate bishop oh i didn't i think you mentioned that too but i just remembered that uh, okay. Yeah, she's good. Good. Uh, who doesn't she she doesn't immediately tell Miles her identity either. She lies and gives a fake name, even though it sounds like she's already given her real name to the school. So I don't understand that. And we don't that, and at this but, point in the story, we don't even know that she's not from this universe. Exactly. Yeah, she's just biz- acting weird, I guess. How she's, how she's managed to not glitch in public. I have no clue. Yeah, you know, plot armor, <laughs> spider armor, <laughs> plot hole, ding, cinema sins. <laughs> Got a at at some point later in the evening, um, Miles sneaks out of the dormitory to visit his uncle Aaron, uh, who is Jefferson's brother and kind of a black sheep of the family due to his uh criminal past. I I, I don't I think they try to kind of play him off as reformed a little bit, but he's still yes. like got shady stuff going on. Uh, he's the black sheep because he's so incredibly based compared to everybody else in the yeah, family. Yeah, he's, he's got a slick pad and, you know, a, a cool... I mean, it's it's Mahershala Ali, so what the fuck else do you want? To, what? Yeah, for real. This is his, like technically like his third Marvel appearance. Well, this would be his second with Blade going to be the third. Yeah, because he's going to be in Blade, too. Fuck. He was so fucking good in Luke Cage, by the way. I, I have, I have not, not seen the Luke Cage show. I've not seen all the Netflix shows, but Luke Cage is... Fucking solid. I've not seen I Luke really Cage, like and I need to watch Moonlight. That's one of my big regrets in life is that I haven't seen Moonlight yet. But Marshall Ali, the... good actor. 
the next season of our show, Lex watches Luke Cage and I watch Deadpool or uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Deadpool. <laughs> we'll just talk about all the Marvel Netflix shows. <laughs> yeah, until they bring them back. We'll, we'll tweet at Kevin Feige every day. Kevin Fig. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Miles talks to his uncle for some, like, Uncle Lee advice about Gwen. And uh, Aaron tells him to do the shoulder touch and, you know, gives him a little lesson on that. Uh, fun, you know, charming family scene. Uh, then they decide to head out to the subway tunnels nearby so they can do some graffiti. Miles wanting to express his, you know, artistic side, get things out that way. It was like this moment in the movie when they were about to like go do uh, when they were leaving his apartment to like go to the place to do the graffiti. I realized like how tightly paced this movie is. This movie is a oh, little yeah. It's like a hair under two hours. But it goes by real quick. It really doesn't feel like it either. It feels like like a ninety minute movie. Yeah, I, I I I wondered how long this movie was when I loaded it up today. I'm like, is this like an hour and a half? No, it's Absolutely. it's like almost two hours. And especially again, I know I keep <laughs> I keep comparing the best of these movies to the worst of these movies. But when you compare it to something like a Spider Man three or an Amazing Spider Man two, where those movies feel as long feel even longer than they actually are, uh. This is like the reverse of that, and it feels so refreshing. Exactly, exactly. Um, so they go down through the tunnels, and Miles spray paints uh, a really personal piece. It's uh, themed around like his expectations uh, that people have of him, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, while he's doing so, uh, a really cool-looking, like glowing Alchemex spider crawls up his leg, and eventually. Uh, bites his hand as Miles takes a picture of his work, uh, but he just kind of slaps it off of himself, and it, it dies on the floor. And he leaves with his uncle, like not concerned at all, in tra- love- traditional Spider-Man fashion, that he's been bitten <laughs> by like a glowing spider. I love that he just smacks it so non- nonchalantly. Just yeah, it's a great little moment, I guess. I-, I would love to see a Spider-Man origin story where he gets bit by a spider and he freaks the fuck out and goes to the emergency room. <laughs> Oh I, don't, I, I just don't know that that's been done. <laughs> you know? I can't even imagine. There was they like uh, anti venom, and he never gets the powers. All I could, I think there was like some. Uh, actually, I think it was like yeah, this was some comment where like superpowers didn't exist. So like when Peter got bit on the hand, like his left arm just like shriveled up. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> that'll be in the new. That'll be in the sequel. That's Spider Man. Jesus. So uh, the next day, Miles has his little, you know, moment of, oh, God, I'm Spider-Man. Oof. In the morning after getting bit, Uh, he, you know, hears his voice in his head louder, which is accompanied by like a comic style text box, which is a really fun touch. Uh, He's outgrown his clothes that he slept in and he's sweating profusely all the time. There's, you know, some fun puberty gags in there. Uh, He runs into Gwen uh and they you know have a little awkward conversation um where they try to like properly introduce themselves and everything miles attempts the shoulder touch that his uh uncle told him about but he only gets his like new spider hand stuck in gwen's uh shoulder and then her hair uh so he ends up having to have them go to the nurse to cut his hand from her hair resulting in her like undercut look for the rest of the movie which is a good uh, look mm-hmm, absolutely She's super pissed at him. Uh, Miles goes back to his room where he's, or attempts to anyway, uh, and is found by a security guard who accosts him for having snuck out the previous night. 
leading to a fun little chase sequence uh, where Miles hides in the guy's office before like flailing himself out the window and having to run across the side of the building uh, pigeon sequence and everything. This, this movie just goes and goes and goes, you know, it, it shit happens. <laughs> um, he finally makes it back into his window and uh, uh, he's, you know, just has his little comic rip apart moment where in this universe, there's like a placeholder Spider-Man origin story in the fictional in universe comics where it's like a kid named Billy. Yeah. The, I was about to say the Peter equivalent is named Billy. And he just happens to look exactly like how Peter really looks. I like that. He just, I love Yeah. Except he looks like Peter in the actual comics where he's got brown hair and brown eyes. Yeah. And the I like that. He just glasses. licensed that out. I think that's really funny. It, if, hey, if it works, you know, and they they all know for sure his name's not Billy, I guess, unless it's, it is, I, and it's like a diversion tactic. Yeah, because the because the Spider-Man origin story sounds so stupid that people would uh, obviously just be like, "Oh, you're making that shit up." Yeah, that's that's a fun lie, I guess. There we go. <laughs> it's not technically a lie. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what they think. You know, it's like, oh, hey, it's uh, some made-up story, but no, that's just the fucking truth. <laughs> uh. Miles uh Miles later goes down to the uh the tunnel where the spider bit him trying to like reassure himself it was a normal spider this is all fucked up I'm 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 normal uh as he examines it it starts glitching uh the way that you know the transdimensional things in this movie do and uh not long after his his spider sense detects something kind of happening not too far from him uh he he follows his sense and finds spider-man being pursued by this universe's version of uh norman osborne the green goblin kind of a take on the ultimate green goblin where he's like a big hulking monster man it's a combination of the two because he's big hulking monster man but he also has like the little purple hat it's really funny Mm -hmm. i i really enjoy that they gave him the little purple hat because like why would he have that who made that (laughs) i'm not a huge fan (laughs) of big monster man goblin uh but uh he's barely in this movie so it's not too bad for me yeah it's it's an idea and he calls him norman by name during it which i really like yeah immediately um this this whole first collider fight is awesome all all Mm -hmm. the all the great quips from peter he's talking about uh (laughs) you cannot open a portal to another dimension under brooklyn brooklyn is not zoned for that yeah just phenomenal quips from every spider person it's so good it's so well written uh, the the fight takes them beneath Fisk Industries, where uh, the Kingpin, Leif Schreiber, who is just a Ugh. great villain in this movie, Ugh. phenomenal performance, is uh, attempting to start up a super collider. Um, big, big motherfucker. He looks like eight feet tall and seven feet wide. He's an Xbox Series X. Uh, it looks like the Sienkiewicz uh, paintings. It looks really great. Yeah, for sure. Kingpin's, uh, Kingpin in this movie is probably like my third favorite villain in these movies. He's really good. Yeah, he's he's up there. Uh, surprise for me, because uh, I'm still not over. Who was it? Michael Clark Duncan in the Daredevil movie. <laughs> I always liked his Kingpin. I thought it was fun. Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin in the Daredevil show is really, really good. So I've heard. So I've heard. Um, so in the middle of the fight between Spider-Man and the Goblin, um, he takes the time to get Miles out of harm's way. What was he falling? I think at one point. Yes, he, 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 he slipped and fell, and then he was yeah, he got saved by Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man, you know, whisks him to safety, and then there's this great little moment where he realizes, like, via like a spider sense wavelength or something, that spy- that he's also a spider person, and he's like, "Oh my god, you're like me." Well, I better adopt this kid now and teach him how to be Spider-Man. 
I love He's, that because uh, it's like, all right, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you the ropes. I'm just like, like no hesitation right off the bat. Um, so Spider-Man decides he's going to, you know, show Miles some stuff, uh, show him the ropes, so to speak, uh, get everything figured out. Uh, just then the machine is turned on, the collider. Uh, outside in the city, certain structures start to get weirdly uh, other shapes. Uh, there's a blast inside the tunnel. Spider-Man gets badly injured, like in buried in the rubble. It, like his mask is all fucked up, and he's... he gets grabbed by the goblin and put into like the particle beam, and he sees into the web of life and destiny. Uh, yeah, which is the thing from JMS's Spider-Man run. Which I'm not a, I'm I'm not a super big fan of all the weird uh, spider totem shit. Like I'm not, I don't like Morlin at all as a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of those elements, like the Web of Life and Destiny, are kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always thought the mystical elements were a little, you know, far-fetched or yeah, whatever. It, but, it, you know, it, 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 it hedges too close to, it was Peter's destiny to be Spider-Man, and I don't like that. Right, we're, that's ASM territory for sure. Yes, that's ASM2 territory. <laughs> so, um, Miles attempts to, you know, help, but Spider-Man tells him to hide before uh, giving him the flash drive, the goober, to go shut down the collider permanently. Um, Miles attempts to go do so. Uh, but then Kingpin, the Goblin, uh, and the Prowler uh, all gather around Spider-Man and remove his mask. Uh, we get to see, you know, him in all his blonde, fucked-up face glory. I thought he pulls it he, off and he goes, oh, that's a no-no. <laughs> he begs the Kingpin not to restart the Collider, uh, even telling him to think about his, you know, family and everything. But this uh, angers the Kingpin to the point of him, like, slamming his fist down and murdering Spider-Man. Uh, while Miles watches, just like, fuck it, core rushes around. Um, Miles manages to escape. Not only you know all of this and the Prowler coming after him, you know, kill that guy. Yeah, but, that, uh, I, lo- <laughs> I love the way Kingpin goes. Kill that guy. <laughs> <laughs> kill that guy. He does manage to outrun all of uh, the things chasing him, and he makes it back home to his parents, where they find him in his room, and uh, he hugs them and asks his dad, you know, do you hate Spider Man and all that? You know how I feel about Spider Man. <laughs> Just so far, just like God, what it, it's intense for a first act. Yes. Uh, it's really like, good. Like Spider-Man Noir said, this is a pretty intense origin story. <laughs> uh, eventually, the next day, the news does break that Spider-Man has been killed. Um, Great scene, and that and that he was Peter Parker. You know, no no privacy for the man. Uh, New Yorkers at large are devastated. Miles goes Such to a, a good co- scene. A, little comic bodega and buys a costume from the man himself, Stan Lee, and his, Love you, his Stan. final, I think, I think his official final cameo here, his voice cameo. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't know when they filmed uh, the stuff for Endgame and Infinity War. I think they might have been filmed, shot together, because I, I heard those movies were shot back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would make sense that this would be his last cameo, and I think I think it's probably one of his best. It's very very good, for sure, for sure. Um, there's a citywide memorial service for Peter, where many other fans are attending, dressed as Spider-Man, and Miles joins them in his like ill-fitting child costume. Uh, we get Mary Jane delivering a eulogy like publicly for her husband, while Aunt May. Uh, Lily Tomlin, one of my favorite Aunt Mays in any of these movies. Very, uh, very good Aunt May. And kind of stands and, there quietly. And MJ, uh, played by Zoe Kravitz, which I did not mention, but she's mm-hmm. barely in the movie, so I didn't really feel the need to. Right, right. Um, Miles is inspired by 
part of MJ's speech about, you know, wearing the mask and everything and decides to take up the mantle of Spider-Man or decides that he wants to anyway. Um, he wants to test out his powers, but he really isn't quite sure how to get them specifically to work. It's not something that he can control quite yet. Um, he decides that night to visit Peter's grave and, you know, have a little come to Jesus meeting with Peter yeah, you know, he, quietly to his grave. Yeah, he tries to do like a cool uh, building jump like in the comics. Yeah, reads, chickens uh, but then, out. But then he ends up eating shit and breaking Goober. So that's why he goes to Peter's grave to be like, sorry, dude, I fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I forgot to notate that, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm here. Just as he is, uh, you know, doing that and talking to the grave and, you know, I fucked up. Oh, no. He's spotted by this, you know, homeless man in the distance. Yes, homeless this, this, man. this strange hobo. Who is actually... Peter B. Parker, Jake Johnson. Peter Bitch Parker. Uh, in his own words, this Peter tells us through narration that in his universe, he's been Spider-Man for years and is now an adult. I think uh, it's like 22 years he's been Spider-Man, so it'd be like, what, 37? Yeah, this is this is uh, older Peter, Dilf Peter. I, I love, uh, Jake Johnson <laughs> is so good in this role. He's a perfect fit for the role. No, he really is. I, I only just recently started watching New Girl uh, at a friend's behest. My my dad and my sister were big fans of New Girl, and I picked up some of the episodes uh, just watching them occasionally, and Jake Johnson is very good in this movie. Oh, yeah. I can only hear him as Spider-Man in my head. I know. And I, um, I, I love the, the, the contrast between blonde Peter being that ideal Peter, and then Peter B is like the older disillusioned guy who's gone through a lot of shit. He really is Peter B. My name is Peter B. Parker. I was bitten by a radioactive spider, and for the last 22 years, I thought I was the one and only Spider-Man. What a day. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. You see, I saved the city, fell in love, I got married, saved the city some more, maybe too much. My marriage got testy, made some dicey money choices, don't invest in a spider-themed restaurant. Then like 15 years passed, blah, 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 super burn, I broke my back, a drone flew into my face, I buried Aunt May, my wife and I split up. But I handled it like a champion. Because you know what, no matter how many times I get hit, I always get back up. And then, of, and then, of course, there are people on the internet now who have only seen this movie and think that's how Peter always acts, and that has wreaked havoc. Yeah, really, it has. Peter does not normally act this way in the comics, guys. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, this, this Peter has lost Aunt May and was married to Mary Jane, but is now divorced due to him not being able to work out his issues as uh, Spider-Man, uh, as well as him not wanting kids while she did. He invested um, too much money to TGI Spideys. <laughs> Such a stupid bit, but I love Such it. Such a dumb joke, but I love it. Um, Don't invest yeah, in a spider-themed restaurant. He's gained a little bit of weight, uh, which has caused him, you know, to to expand in the costume a little bit. And he's 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 just depressed. Finally, a Spider-Man I can cosplay. Right. I I have a, a I don't remember if it was a Tumblr post or a tweet I posted years ago. I had a dream that I bought like a movie quality Sam Raimi suit, but I didn't like put any work into my body. So I went to conventions and people were like, Hey, fat Spider-Man, let me get a picture. <laughs> well, I, 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 as I posted on Twitter, I had, I did, uh, I don't think it was actually for Halloween. I think I just realized that I had all the constituent parts to make the costume and I'm like, fuck right. it. And I, I just put it together. Burger time. Uh, burger time. I was eating, I think I was actually eating a chicken sandwich, but either way, <laughs> whatever, whatever. But yeah, it's fun. Um, 
Now, after after um, after finding Miles, after Peter was pulled into this dimension, um, you know, he 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 found Miles. He was knocked unconscious by him at the gravesite. Uh, we get like a venom. T- it, it's called the venom touch, I think. Venom uh, strike. Venom strike. That's what it is. Uh, maybe I mix that up with like Peter Tingle. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he gets uh he gets zapped unconscious and we get a great little sequence where uh, Miles is swinging through the city away from the cops at the grave with a train Peter's chase, body, yeah. like, attached to him. Um, bunch of, bunch of great music here. And they end up wiping out in the street and just kind of lying in the crosswalk for a while before, uh, <laughs> and, and fucking Stan walks over them. Yeah. Yeah. They use that asset quite a bit. The Stanley, uh, like he's always there. Model. He's always there pretty much. Uh, Miles brings Peter to the restaurant uh, for safety there. Um, a restaurant yeah. where in Peter's world it was closed years prior. You can see yeah. like, the, the C health grade in the window. Yeah, be- before that, uh, Miles uh, like ties Peter up to like a, uh, I think he's in Uncle Aaron's apartment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. And he ties him up and he like explains what's going on. And uh, Peter is initially really resistant to helping Miles because he just wants to go back to his home dimension. Uh, and there's uh, lots of really great moments. Obviously, Peter calls the little USB a goober, and he explains that there's always an override key or whatever, so he's called a goober. Uh, there's a couple of really great lines that I love. Uh, Miles is like trying to appeal to him, and he tries to hit him with a great power, comes great responsibility, and Peter's like, don't you dare finish that sentence! Yeah. I'm fucking sick of it! And I'm like, you know what, dude? Same. All of us are. <laughs> uh, and... Also, another one of my favorite lines in the movie, where it's like <laughs> Miles is like, "Everyone's going to die," and Peter's like, "There's always a little bit of time before everyone dies, and that's when I do my best work." That that really is like the the the, the pertinent message of Spider Man. Besides being like a small scale neighborhood hero, it's also the timing of it. There's always a little bit of time before everybody dies. <laughs> Miles kind of guilts uh, Peter into letting him join, so they can like make things right together. Again, that um, theme of guilt—it's always guilt. Peter's, you know, glitching out and it's causing him to like molecularly decay. So they have to, they got to get the b- fucking ball rolling on this shit. So, yeah, so they, they have to go to, they have to go to Alchemax's facility in the Hudson Valley mm-hmm. uh, to get all the data back so they can make a new goober. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to find a way to sneak in there. Uh, Kingpin and his henchman Tombstone, who I thought was a really fun addition to the movie. Great uh, to see him there for like two seconds. Mm hmm. And his top scientist, uh, Olivia Octavius, are there. Uh, Kingpin's motive for operating the Collider is to be reunited with his dead wife and child, uh, Vanessa and Richard. Uh, Years earlier, he was trying to kill Spider-Man, and they fled from him, only to be tragically smeared across the New York City streets by a truck. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Uh, Like, just really fucked up shit. Uh, Yeah, again, that that whole whole flashback... That whole flashback looking like a Peter Sienkiewicz painting is incredibly based. Absolutely, it is. Um, In a fun little stealth sequence, uh, Peter goes in and then Miles comes after him, uh, sneaking into the lab, trying to find the room with the computer. They have a good good moment inside the vent where Peter's like, usually people just want to kill me on this job, so it's good to have somebody who has my back. Yeah, and we get the, you got 48, or was it 24? You got, you got 24, 24 hours. hours. <laughs> you got 24 hours. <laughs> great, great quips in this movie. Great bits. So good. Uh, Miles and Peter, you know, they, they manage to sneak in, and Miles begins panicking because he can't unstick himself from the ceiling, just as Kingpin and uh, Olivia are outside. 
Miles starts singing to try to relax himself uh, to re- to drop from the ceiling, but also realizes he can turn invisible in, in under duress situations like this. Uh, he can not control it currently. It's like a fight or flight thing. Um, but it kicks in when Olivia enters the room, uh, finding Peter alive, trying to like charm her and buy time. <laughs> well, I by turn on the I'm charm. Alive. Yeah, that's it's a great Spider-Man. Yeah, he, and, he tries, and, and and Olivia puts him in like a locks him in a chair, and she's like mm-hmm. testing samples and stuff. <laughs> she's like, "You're going through complete cellular de- decay. You're you're decaying." You know how painful that would be? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's like completely clueless. I fucking love it. Great character. Uh, she reveals herself to be this universe's answer to uh, Doc Ock uh, with her like mechanical tentacles that are like tubes. Yeah, her little her, ru- her rubbery arms. I like that. It very interesting take. Uh, you know, fuck you, shocker, I guess. If there is such a thing in this universe. Um, shocker i shock people <laughs> peter and her fight while miles uh grabs the computer so that they can am spray they're kind of chased by all the scientists out of the lab we get the peter the grabs bagel. a bagel yeah i i, I he took a bagel <laughs> and uh they flee into the woods with the computer they have the monitor as well but they ditch the monitor um, good news we don't need the monitor they swing through the trees and have a little like, you know, learning sequence where they have to like thwip in tandem with each other to get out. Um, I, like that, I like get... that it gives I like that it gives it explains how he cuts off the web strand. That's really nice. I've always mm-hmm. wondered yeah. about that. And they're like, oh, it's oh, double tap to really make sense. It's good stuff. A lot of little little bits and pieces that make it. And uh, they're, they're being accosted by uh, Doc Ock who is caught up to them until she gets her ass kicked or rather her face. I think she gets kicked in the head like twice. And that's what knocks her out. Gwen yeah. shows up. Uh, Gwen is spider woman and was spider woman the whole time. She's also an interdimensional person. Uh, she explains to miles and Peter and also to the audience, how she comes from another dimension where she was bitten, saved her father, uh, but couldn't save her Peter, who was the lizard. And she was also sucked through the transdimensional portal here. Um, the three of them are now, you know, together and trying to make sense of all this and uh, head out of the woods to get away. Doc Ock reports back to Kingpin, who reports not only are there two Spider-Men, there is another Spider-Person. So, so we've got to we got to nip this shit in the bud. Yeah, Miles and Gwen's friendship in this movie is really, really good. It uh, is. I'm, I'm glad they pulled it off this way. And I'm glad that they didn't go immediately into a romance. Uh, yeah, they, they just kind of like, yeah, friendship. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's uncommon to take their time with this kind of stuff, but I'm glad they are. I know it's so, especially, you know, coming off of another great romance in Far From Home. It's like, <laughs> these people know how to do this shit now? It's crazy. <laughs> it only took them 20 years. I guess so. Um, Miles, Peter, and Gwen go to Aunt May's uh, house, kind of hesitantly, um, where she's able to figure out that uh, the Peter that she sees in front of her is from another dimension. Uh, unknown to us at this moment, she's already been visited by other spider people, so she's you know taken this pretty well. Uh, <laughs> she takes them to Peter's old secret hideout, which this Peter kind of scoffs cave. out. He's, you know, like scoffs at it first, like, oh, wow, shed, whatever. 
Uh, but once they get down there, it's got like a bunch of different nice little reference suits. I think the PS4 suit PS4 is down suit is there. In there. I love I, I love the, the Spider-Man Sp- Unlimited suit is in there. A bunch of shit. I love the spider cave. It's so good. Um, that I think the spider buggy is down there. The spider and, buggy uh, is there. Take away the boat, the plane, the car. Imagine a futon. So much shit. Uh, there after, you know, we meet this Aunt May and we get some conversing with her. We are introduced to Spider-Man Noir. Uh, who is like a black and white, uh, hard-boiled Spider-Man. Uh, Penny Parker, who is an anime girl Spider-Man with her mech, which is like powered by a, a, a sentient spider. Uh, Co-created by one of the guys from My Chemical Romance? Yes, yeah, one of them did in fact do that, yeah. Uh, Peter Porker, Spider-Ham, who was uh, a spider bitten by a radioactive pig, who I think is from like a one-off, like, goofy what if comic yes uh, <laughs> there's there's so many i I love that spider ham is in this movie it's put by john mulaney who's obviously one of my favorite comedians uh and mm-hmm. i every time i think about Sp- spider ham i think there was like an old spider ham comic from the 80s where like uh mary jane i don't remember what uh mary jane's animal version is but she's like listening to a bunch of records and she listens to uh, uh <laughs> stop making nests by the squawking heads that's so fucking funny and there's like a a, a poster of a, a bird in a big suit and his name is david bird i i wish i lived in that universe i, I have to I find that picture one. um <laughs> they uh they were all each pulled from their own dimension and into miles's world by the activation of the uh, super collider they're all gonna each uh plan to you know stay behind or rather they all individually like no i'll stay behind and shut the collider down with the goober so you can all go home but Miles says it has to be him specifically because this is his dimension and that makes sense. Uh, Peter tries to back him up is like, hey, this guy has cool powers and he could make a great Spider-Man, but he's not able to control them. So he, you know, can't really <laughs> do anything shit, to help. So he can't do it. And he gets, you know, kind of flustered and there's, you know, everyone tries to, you know, it's kind of a combination of like egging him on, but also like, hey, are you ready? We're, we're this is what the odds are. Are you, are you ready for this shit? And he's not. So. Miles' fight or flight kicks in and he turns invisible and he kind of dejectedly leaves the cave to a Post Malone song, which <laughs> is kind of jarring and funny to me, but whatever. I, I, put, I put the David Byrne picture uh, in text chat. Oh, great. That's phenomenal. There he That's is, really David cool. Byrne. Um, Miles goes to uh, Uncle Aaron's home for help, but uh, uh, just as Jefferson and Rio are contacting Aaron since they haven't heard from Miles in a while. That's happening simultaneously. Miles finds Aaron's apartment empty, uh, but while he's in there, the Prowler shows up for some reason, uh, prompting him to go invisible again. Uh, Prowler speaks to Kingpin and removes his mask, revealing himself to be Uncle Aaron to Miles. Oh as well. And I think it's really funny because, like, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I know Kingpin knows Prowler, but I don't know that Kingpin knows Aaron. So it's really funny to me that Prowler's like, yeah, whoa, 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 with his voice modulator. And then he takes his mask off. He's like, yeah, I'm home. Talk to you later. And he's like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, I, I would ass- I would assume that he knows who he is. <laughs> this guy went from sad of like, like General Grievous to to Mahershala Ali in like a second. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that drastic of a change. If you heard Mahershala Ali's voice, I guess it's just funny to me, I guess it is pretty funny. <laughs> But yes, Miles is uh, terrified and horrified by this. His uncle is the Prowler. Uh, he tries to get out of the apartment, but Aaron notices him at the last second, and there's a great citywide chase, but yes, again, Miles is able to evade him. 
he out he evades the prowler a lot. It makes you question his competence. You can't get them over and over. Suck shit, Uncle. Uh, back at Aunt May's house, Miles uh, decides to reunite with the other spider people to tell them that his uh, uncle is working for Kingpin. He's the prowler. Yes. Penny ends up making a new goober. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man Noir is like trying to figure out what color Rubik's Cube is. Yeah, he's at, I think at one point he asks, is this purple? Which is not a Rubik's Cube color. <laughs> Penny, Penny and Ham and Noir are, they're not in this movie very much, uh, but they they still, because the writing is so good, they manage to feel like full characters. You really get a handle on who they are. Oh yeah, for sure. It's really, really well done. Um, Unfortunately, Miles has led the Prowler here, along with uh, Doc Ock, the Green Goblin, Tombstone, and this universe's version of the Scorpion. I, think, I don't think Green Goblin is there. Is he? The, oh, I, I swear I remember him being there. Maybe he's not. But the Scorpion is, for sure. The Scorpion uh, is there. An interesting take. He's like half was it robot scorpion. He's uh, a robot guy. Like a Darth Maul from the waist down. Oh my god, he uh, is. You know, I'll kind of converge and attack Aunt May's poor little house and the spider people spring into action fighting. <laughs> she pulls out a baseball bat to defend her house. Yeah, she smashes Tombstone in the face with it at some point. Um, Prowler goes off and chases Miles during all the chaos and uh, corners him on a rooftop. He's about to like deliver the killing blow at the Kingpin's behest when Miles takes off his mask and reveals himself. Uh, Aaron is like, you know, agape at this and they're both unmasked at each other and he starts to kind of back down after, you know, plenty of no, no, knowing and Kingpin shoots him in the back and then starts. What an asshole. Uh, but Miles swings out of there with his dying uncle uh, and takes him to an alley and we get a great little, oh, you know, oh, fuck scene. Such a good scene. Uh, Aaron gives a really good little speech. It's just really well done. Miles, uh, Miles blames himself for what happened, uh, but Aaron encourages him to keep pushing forward and, you know, be better than him. Uh, Miles takes off, uh, but not before his father arrives and finds Miles over the body. Uh, you know, further. Oh, he, find, he finds the new Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He doesn't know it's Miles yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the new Spider-Man. Uh, Jeff then realizes, oh, this is my brother, and has like a further breakdown over all this. And Puts out an APB on really Spider-Man. Really miserable stuff. It's good. Really, re- again, really, uh, really great acting all around. Really well done. It really, truly is. Miles returns to his uh, dorm room where the other Spider people meet up with him. Uh, they kind of freak out his roommate, who's like another Genki stand-in, kind of. I think I think um, it just is supposed to be Genki. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be Genki because like why would it not be? I I guess I just don't ever remember they don't, crediting they don't, him as no? yeah they, they don't say his name. I think he had a larger role. But well they ended be. up they ended up trimming it out. Right. Uh, but I well, think whoever this man may or may not be <laughs> mysterious man, Mister Roommate, uh, faints at the sight of the amalgamation of spider people on his ceiling. Um. Peter uh, ends up webbing Miles to his chair and taking the goober from him, telling him that the gang is going to go stop the collider themselves as uh, Miles isn't ready and it's for his safety. Peter B is going to stay behind and turn off the collider uh, mm-hmm. and sacrifice himself so that everybody else can get home. Uh huh. That's that's the plan. Um, however, Miles, you know, 
is you know all fucked up here in his seat his dad shows up and uh talks to him outside his door you know really freshly fucked up about his dad his brother's death only a few hours prior miles can't talk to him because he's got like a web gag on him but uh you know he kind of forlornly begs for his son's you know forgiveness and approval and slinks out of there such a such a good little moment really good stuff uh, it's it's always good to have a good father son type thing happen in Spider Man, which is really rare because everyone dies. <laughs> everyone fucking um, dies. Peter doesn't have a dad, except when he does, it's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Miles then uh, musters up the strength he needs to like Venom strike the web and pop it off of him. Yeah, he learns uh, to control his powers, which is really great. Oh, we haven't even mentioned uh, the animation in this movie looks really fucking good. Oh yeah, completely unique. Um, it looks totally like original. it looks like hand drawn animation, but it's all three D. It's hand drawn. It's three D. It's comic book. It's got a little bit of like claymation kind of to it. It's I, uh, I think specifically I'm reminded in this scene because when it zooms in on Miles's eyes when he's like mastered his his uh, venom strike powers, you can see that the the circle of his iris like isn't fully connected. Like it was a mm-hmm. sort of like hastily drawn thing. It looks, God, the it. fucking movie looks so good. And uh, when they do, when they do all the stuff with the multiverse, when they do that first collider fight, when they do the last collider fight. It all looks so. This is a really fucking good looking movie. Uh, I don't, I don't have a 4K TV, but if and when I do get one, uh, I will. I, this would be the first movie I would watch on it because it would look. Oh, I would amazing. agree. Either this or the new Blade Runner for me, but not, oh. not to quote the prequels, but these are stylistically designed to be that way. As oh. Dr. Callum said. Every, every scene is so dense. There's so much going on. <laughs> so many Spider-Men happening. Uh, Miles, Miles, is, Miles now, is a newer character. If we can get, we'll get him working and it'll all, it'll all work together. I don't need George Lucas to ever touch Spider-Man. JJ already did his, his work with that comic he wrote this year, last year. Oh my whatever. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, Miles uh, goes back to Aunt May's, you know, fully confident in himself now and gets himself out one of the original regular Spider-Man suits, which he paints black with his like motifs and stuff. The red spider and everything. God, so, uh, such a fucking good scene. The what's up danger sequence. Oh! Uh, the leap of faith. Just just phenomenal, phenomenal. Like we are in the third act now, motherfucker. Oh my you know, God, like, this is such a good we scene. Are. We're here. Buckle up. Like um, I usually like usually I would complain in a movie like this where they like because like they replay the clip of uh, Jefferson talking to uh, mm-hmm. Miles about like how he sees such potential in him or whatever. It's like, oh, we just had that scene. Why play it again? I would normally complain about that. Like I would in, like Raimi one uh, where uh, Green Goblin is like, they'll hate you. They'll, they'll ignore you or whatever. And then like a scene later, they play the exact same clip. It's like we fucking get it. Uh, mm. But in this movie, it's done so well that I don't care. It's like, this is like, fuck, yeah! This is the best scene in the movie. It's hype as shit. It really is. It, it's good stuff. It fucks severely. <laughs> it, it, it truly, truly does.
I guess we do we maybe want to talk about Miles' suit or do we even want to talk about Peter's suit? Yeah, we can. Uh they they uh they're very, you know, comic y, but they're also like designed in a way that lends himself really well to the art style of the movie. Peter um, Peter's looks pretty pitch perfect for what It's got great lines. It's really the comic should look like. I love the way the back tick look. It's it looks it's very rounded and stuff and the chest logo is also very rounded. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh but Miles's suit is probably the the big deviation from the comics and it looks better than the one in the comics. Oh, wholeheartedly I agree. Oh yeah, I, it's like why the fuck would you even they just got really I think th- this whole movie has just made my expectations for what things with Miles in them should be like. Because it's like you have gold standard. It's like the suit should look at least somewhat like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not an easy bar to surpass. Miles should act the way he's acting in this movie. This is the gold standard for how Miles should be portrayed. Uh, so when people try to deviate from that and experiment in a way that doesn't work very well, it's like, eh, come on, you were so close. But so far away. Exactly. So, uh, simultaneous to Miles's little sequence here uh, the other spider people find Kingpin's gala they take they take the bus to the gala yeah they do which is a great little moment when they all pour out of it I assume it's like uh, in Homecoming when Peter steals Flash's car he just, they just want to save on web fluid for sure it's you know more of a uh, a hazard than a benefit to swing that far um, I the Kingpin's holding this gala simultaneous to his like collider plan you know kind of you know divert everything uh they're able to sneak in because all of the waiters are wearing spider-man masks as kind of a tribute to the recently fallen spider-man who kingpin is like talking about like in his speech like he he worked with him or he was close to him or something um but yeah they're able to sneak in due to the spider-man masks and peter comes across this universe's mj and kind of gets you know tongue-tied and wrong-footed over her and tries to express his guilt about leaving her to her and even though she doesn't know it's him or what he's talking about here's a here's a little here's a little quandary why is mj at a banquet with the kingpin when peter presumably told mj they were in a relationship that kingpin is a bad guy maybe maybe mj sold him out you ever think about that I like it that it's a fun twist, too, that, like, she doesn't recognize his voice because this is uh, Jake Johnson, Peter Parker, and not Chris Pine, Peter Parker. That's also so, like, good. It's it's not, like, something that's, like, a plot hole or anything. They they do sound objectively different. Um, and they're different body types, too. <laughs> um, they The spider people eventually do find themselves proceeding down to where the uh, collider is. And, of course, there's another, you know, fight with the Kingpin henchman gang. There's a moment where uh, Doc Ock has this Peter on the ropes and is about to, you know, lay into him some more. But an invisible Miles starts, you know, smacking her up in the face and everything with her own tentacles. And great score here. Great score. I love Miles' theme here that plays when he hops in and... He he pulls a move at some point in this whole sequence that's like a, a like a frame for frame like the same thing Peter did to get up there at some point to put the goober in. It's so good, good. stuff all around. This whole final um, battle, fu- the whole ending of this movie, fucked. This movie fucks. It's a good movie. It, it's it deserves the Oscar again for every year that it has been out for best. We should just get, we should just make an honorary category of best Spider Man into the Spider Verse movie and just give yeah. it to that every year. Well, nothing this year was better than Spider Verse, so we're just going to give it to Spider Verse again. Ah, uh, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's just do it. 
but yes, yeah, Miles is now in on the battle, and uh, everyone, you know, they're fighting back, gaining the tide a little bit. But the collider is activated, uh, causing another earthquake across the city and glitching shit out as the uh, dimensions start warping together again. Um, Spider-Man Noir fights Tombstone in a really fun sequence. Uh, you know, like, like the hat punch and everything. Uh, I'm a big fan of that part. Um, Spider-Ham fights the Scorpion. There's a little hammer joke sequence. Um, Doc Ock goes after Gwen and Peter while Miles tries to shut the collider down himself. Uh, once, you know, most of the fighting subsides and the henchmen are taken out, uh, very memorably for me when the, the bus takes out Doc Ock, that's a really, really good moment. Yes. Um, uh, you know, everything's kind of on the victory side, but unfortunately Penny's mech, uh, SPDR, I never know how to pronounce it, if it's spider. I just call it spider. <laughs> yeah. Is, has been like irreparably damaged, uh, leaving her devastated as, you know, Noir and Spider-Ham try to comfort her. But but she is able to extract the uh, spider in which she yeah. is psychically connected to, so she can build another one. Exactly. Uh, so no great loss there. Um, she takes the spider back, and uh, they all kind of prepare to jump back home. They got all their coordinates and everything. I think Penny goes first back to her yes. time stream. Uh, Noir, and then Spider-Ham in that order. We get our exits from these guys in the movie. It'll fit in your pocket. <laughs> I love that line where he says, "That's all, folks." And they like, "Can he say that legally?" It's so good. They, every beat they play it right in this oh movie. Oh my god, it's, it's really good. It doesn't feel real how good this movie. Uh, Gwen and Miles kind of affirm their friendship to each other. Gwen had previously said she doesn't do friends, kind of on principle, because of the whole Peter thing and how that like traumatized her. But she's friends with Miles now, and she heads back to her timeline. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention uh, Peter and Miles' earlier moment in the collider battle when Miles shows up and Peter's like, oh, th you did so good. I'm so proud of you. Do I want kids? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a it's, good little moment. It's a good Peter moment. That, that little that character that arc wrapped up. Yep, circle. Totally done. Very good. Uh, Peter tries to stay back and uh, assist with everything, but Miles chooses to send Peter back in a great little reversal of the, you know, uh, earlier, you know, getaway scene. Uh, so he can fix what he has to do here and Peter can go home. Uh, sends him through, drops him, reverse leap of faith. Uh, and then Miles has to now, all he has to do is hit the button with the, uh, the goober and shut everything down. But that's when the Kingpin shows up again. And starts hitting back hard. Uh, he beats the absolute shit out of uh, Miles. Uh, and starts seeing like different versions of Vanessa and Richard as their dimensions start like crossing over. Um, he does that like double fist like Captain Kirk slam down on Miles again. <laughs> yeah, and like he, he totally knocks the wind out of Captain him. Captain Kirk attack. Uh, and as Miles is like dazed on the ground, he sees his dad entering like the staging area of the lab, which, you know, causes him to panic a little bit. But we get a great little sequence where Miles like gets back up like Spider-Man does and uh, charges up a full Venom strike and does a shoulder touch on Kingpin and hey. blasts him away. But he uh, he uses Kingpin's own momentum, his own giant hulking mass momentum <laughs> against him to swing him up into the button and shut down the collider for good. Um, there's a great little like everything getting sucked back into its sequence of like the black hole like equalizes and uh, the day is saved. There's an explosion and Miles is just kind of dangling there. Huzzah! In the midst of it. <laughs> and, and it's all the wreckage. Um, 
outside, uh, Miles calls his dad to let him know he's okay, and he knows about Uncle Aaron's death, and he'll see his dad soon, and he's sorry, and blah blah blah. Uh, he then approaches his dad as Spider-Man, and he puts on his best, like, Andrew Garfield, hey, it's me, Branzino accent. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for your bravery today. <laughs> and he hugs his dad, and his dad kind of hugs him back a little bit, uh, but not letting him know who he really is. Uh, he then points out the webbed up kingpin in the background and takes off to some more good ass score. Uh, we get a nice little further montage of him like resuming his school school duties while taking on you know more Spider Man stuff, meeting his roommate really, uh, you know Spider Man doing stuff. Meanwhile, Peter back home uh, is patching things up with MJ. Uh, everyone is back in their dimension and you know adjusting back into their niche. Miles settles in his room for a nap, gives his whole little anyone can wear the mask soliloquy, which is good so fucking good, soliloquy. So pertinent, so relevant, so great. Fuck and, you, Amazing Spider-Man 2! <laughs> <laughs> and a little portal opens up and he hears Gwen calling out to him and they, they talk and the movie's over. Uh, there's a quick dedication for Stanley and Steve Ditko. And then in our closing credits good scene, scene. Ba, 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 Miguel O'Hara... Spider-Man 2099, voiced by the greatest of all time, Oscar Isaac, uh, learns about the other Spider-People from his digital assistant, Lila, and travels to Earth-67, where he ends up in a mimetic pointing argument with 1960s cartoon Spider-Man. Voiced by, I think, Yorma from The Lonely Island? That sounds right. I don't know that that's I th- accurate, I th- but I think I right. think that's, that's who voices him, is Yorma from The Lonely Island, which is really funny. I don't doubt that. But yeah, that's that's uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The, Good fucking movie. Spoiler alert, the best Spider-Man movie. Yes, correct. I'm going to get right into my trivia. I don't have a whole hell of a lot here. Just some just some fun nuggets here that I thought were interesting. Um, as you've probably seen in a million, you know, like clickbait articles or whatever, there's a lot of like differences in the universes of the spider people between theirs and ours and each other's. Uh, yes, I was going to talk about how there's lots of little Easter eggs in this, but I assumed you were going to pick those up. Oh, yeah, of course. There's a lot of fun like fake posters when we first see Peter B. cross over here. There's a clone high clone college movie, like a fun little uh Phil Lord and Chris Miller reference again there. That's fine. Uh, from Dusk Till Sean, which is a Sean of the Dead proposed sequel that never really got made. Uh, there's a Seth Rogen poster that just says hold your horses with him on a horse in the background. I can't imagine what awful like Netflix direct to project that might be. Uh, there's like a, there's like an alternate version of uh, the Weekend Starboy album, but it's called Kissland, which is another yeah. one of his albums, which is mm-hmm. nice. Uh, there's Chance the Rapper stuff, but he's got a four instead of a three on his hat. Uh, just, you know, little remember things. when Chance the Rapper was good? Uh, I I do I remember, and then he wasn't. With uh, he had a big day. Innocent times. <laughs> um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, this they love using the Stanley like CGI render model. Uh, the, a lot of the animators wanted the opportunity to work with that model, but you know, there's only so much you can do with Stan in the movie. So. 
a lot of the people in passing trains are Stanley. Like there's, there's <laughs> almost there's almost a Stanley in every single train that passes in this movie. He's everywhere. Uh, so look out for him. Uh, this uh, required 180 animators for the movie, which is the largest crew ever used by a Sony Pictures animation film. Uh, I totally believe that. At 100%, there's a lot going on in this movie. God bless every single one of these motherfuckers. They should. Are they in a union? They should probably be in a union. Yeah, probably. I hope they're in a union. <laughs> there's a fun roundabout reference to like the Donald Glover arc of wanting to oh, be yes. Miles Morales in this movie. Uh, when Miles first visits Uncle Aaron's apartment, the television is playing uh, a clip from the show Community. Uh, the beginning of that clip shows Donald Glover's character Troy getting out of bed wearing Spider-Man pajamas. Uh, this is a reference to an unsuccessful 2010 online campaign to get Donald Glover a chance to audition for the role of the amazing Spider-Man, which would not have helped that movie. Um, no. Brian oh, I, I really like Donald Glover, but that, he, that wouldn't have helped the script of that movie. Not in the slightest. Not even his uh, boundless charm would be able to corral that. Bendis describes that image of Glover in the pajamas as a major inspiration for the creation of the character and the design of the character. Additionally, Glover appeared as another version of Aaron Davis in Homecoming, in which he makes a brief reference to having a nephew. And then he also plays Miles Morales in, I think, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon? He sure yep, he sure does. So it's all it's all a full circle. It's all, you know, we, we, we all got what we wanted, I guess, in the end. I guess so. As we mentioned earlier, this was the first non-Disney or Pixar film to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature since Rango in 2011. Oh, Rango. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are only six non-Disney Pixar films to win the award, and they are Shrek, Spirited Away, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Happy Feet, and Rango. And it's better than any of those. <laughs> that is true, even though I do really like Wallace and Gromit, and it's been a very long time since I've seen Spirited Away. Uh, the directors of Spider-Verse uh, spoke in an interview about the Prowler's signature siren noise, that like, wow, that like... His, his lighthouse horn, born. I'm sure, I'm sure you can like stick it in, right? Yeah. Um, uh, composer Daniel Pemberton said that that's the sound of an elephant as the like sample base for the noise. Uh, the filmmakers wanted it to be frightening with a sense of sadness. Uh, and specifically in my experience, uh, I, I saw this in the theater. My fiance got like the same reaction to that as uh, I know you're a Halloween fan as well, Lex. In the new 2018 Halloween with like Michael Myers will like step out of a corner and they've got a like like bow drag across the guitar strings. Yes. And it, like, steps out. Super similar. Like God, tonally. I, it's, I need to rewatch that movie. That movie fucks so oh, hard. I, I pretty much watch it every year at this point. <laughs> Dude, um, are you fucking excited? This is completely off track, but are you fucking excited <laughs> for Halloween kills? I, I begrudgingly I am. I think that 2018 was a great cap off, but I will I will see it. Yeah. I'm really thrilled. As as long as my main man Johnny Carp is getting that money <laughs> with the composing, uh fucking let's do it, brother. If only to get if only to hear the score. Uh, in the final sequence where the uh, collider is exploding, the machine from the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movie is uh, visible as part of the debris that gets sucked back in. Because Lord Miller also worked on that. Yep, yep. Brian Michael Bendis is a contact in uh, Miles's phone when you see him looking uh, to call, I think, either his uncle or his lots dad. Lots of people are. There's like lots there's of lots of little... Are. Bendis is the only one I thought to write down. Bendis. I think Sarah Pacelli, who is the artist yes. that co-created, uh, there's like Ramita Ramen is a store that Miles walks I think, by. I think Amy Pascal might be in his phone, too. I don't remember. <laughs> Hopefully Avi Arad is not there. Hopefully they don't email each other. <laughs> oh, God. 
And uh, lastly, at the beginning of the film, when we're getting blonde Peter, uh, you know, capping us up on everything, we get the great power, great responsibility clip. That is a voice clip of Cliff Robertson, uh, archive footage from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. They uh, decided to pull on that rather than have someone else record it and say it. They just because because wh- why? Because it it's again. it's perfect. There yeah. there's no other reason to get anybody else to do. Yeah, get get dead Cliff to do it. As I said in the last episode, I I think it would be cool if Uncle Ben was in the, if, if he was in the Spider-Man three, but like you're never really going to get much better yeah. than Cliff Robertson. Just like you're never really going to get a whole lot better than the uh, Danny Elfman score. And uh, that, that dries up my trivia for now. All right. So I guess the next thing we can move on to is the ratings and the rankings. Alex, what did you think of this movie? I am a tremendous fan of this movie. I think it is unequivocally speaking, the best Spider-Man movie that has been released. I think it works uh, as an animated movie, as a movie in general, as a kid's movie, as a kid's movie for adults, as a movie for adults. I think it works. I think it's just so boundlessly good and that we don't deserve it. Um, really don't. I could go on and on and We're and getting on. another one next year. Yes, we are. If you have not seen this movie, why are you listening to this? But if you haven't, please go watch it now. Uh, it's not on Netflix anymore. Buy a copy, rent it somewhere. It, you owe it to yourself to see this movie. Uh, even if you don't like Spider-Man, it's still a good spider. It's still a good movie outside yeah. of that. Uh, I think I want to give this movie five out of five stars. Incredibly based. I don't have complaints terribly about it. Uh, it's paced very well. The animation style is groundbreaking and unique. It is just such a good fucking movie. Even I decided to put this on when I was hanging out with a friend yesterday who had like seen it in bits and pieces. And even at points, she was like, oh my God, this is so good. I'm so glad you decided to put this on. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I'm not the dork that puts Spider-Man on. <sighs> you know what I mean? People fucking like this you movie. You can't go it's wrong so with good. putting this movie on. It's so good. Uh, five out of five stars and the star on the Christmas tree for ranking for me. This beats Spider-Man 2. It is the best Spider-Man movie making, I think, my final ranking into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man 1, an even tie between Infinity War and Endgame, Civil War, Spider-Man 3, and then in descending order, Amazing and Amazing 2 as my final ranking of the Spider-Man movies. That sounds right. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I know I keep saying it every time we do a, get to the ratings and the rankings, but I'm in the same boat as you. This is a perfect movie. Uh, it is in my top five favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this movie. It's got boundless charm, pitch perfect renditions of pretty much every character and theme, uh, beautiful visuals. It's almost like insultingly good. Yeah, it's, it has no peers is the easiest way I can put it. Like when when I have to talk about like how much I love Far From Home or the first Raimi movie, I have to be like, oh, they're like my favorite live action Spider Man movies. I have to specify live action because this movie blows all the rest of them out of the fucking water. It's like night and day. Uh, yeah, this is clearly agree. This five stars, top of the ranking. Cannot wait for the sequel. We're gonna have fucking Japanese Toei Spider Man in there. You know it. I'm so fucking excited. Uh, hey, I mean, maybe we'll see. But here we are. That leaves my final ranking as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, an even tie between Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Captain America Civil War, 
uh, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 1, Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, yeah. Well, we've we've reached the mountaintop. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, like I guess, sort of a recap of the season as a whole. But first, we have two letters to get to. Absolutely. Take we have two letters to get to. The first one comes to us from Daniel uh, on Twitter. And he says, Do you guys ever think you'd cover other Spider-Man media on the podcast? I.e. the games, the shows, that one musical that constantly injured the actors. <laughs> really love the show and feel sad it'll be on hiatus for so long while we wait for new movies. Uh, we actually had a discussion about this before we started recording the episode. Uh, yeah, we are totally down to do more Spider-Man stuff. We might even uh, do stuff that doesn't even involve Spider-Man. Uh, this Absolutely. has been this has been a really fun experience for the both of us. I could I I think I could safely say. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting getting into recording myself talking about things people normally like don't want to hear me go on about in real life. Uh, exactly, it, it gives me a chance to get up on my soapbox and talk about why MCU Spider-Man is actually really really good. <laughs> and why you're an idiot for disagreeing and why me. you're a fucking moron if you say otherwise i'm gonna choke the life out of you i yeah i i like that answer i'm completely down to return to this uh and not too terribly long and talk about games specific like graphic novels or arcs of comics i would uh, i would TV be shows. totally down both of us need to watch the spectacular spider-man cartoon which apparently mm-hmm. is super great uh we could easily do an episode on spider-man blue uh, we could talk about some of the selected Lee Ditko comics or whatever. There's the episode like, of Craven's Last Hunt. There's the PS4 game. There's so much we can talk about. There's like the Green Goblins. Uh, what is that '90s video where that guy? Oh my god, I watched that last year. Oh my god. Yeah, there's there's so much we could do, and like you also said, there's a whole world outside of Spider-Man media that we can touch on too. I know we're both tremendous fans of uh, John Carpenter of, of, of horror I in general. I would love to do a John Carpenter podcast. We could, like some, we could do some spooky stuff in October maybe. We, we The future is wide open. We I still haven't I, actually seen They Live. Oh boy, yeah. No, that's Spider-Man, like the last, that's the last big Carpenter one I haven't seen. Spider-Man is only the beginning, dear listener. There's so much more to say. Uh, but yes, Daniel, thank you for your letter. Sincerely. And the other one we have is from Mattman984. Matt writes to us, Hey there, guys. Been watching your podcast basically since day one, or close to it at the very least. Thank you very much. We appreciate the support. First off, I wanted to congratulate you guys for getting through the nightmare that was the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, because after rewatching those movies myself, Jesus Christ, what a nightmare. (laughs) I'm sorry we enabled that. They're bad movies. They are. Yeah. They're they're horrible, horrible movies. I feel like we warned you, and you didn't have to do that, man. I've said this. I've said this before <laughs> in the past, but I I know people who really enjoy those movies, and they are braver than any U.S. Marine. Yeah, because yeah. they they have to go out and uh, whole wholeheartedly love these movies, dedicated uh, to our brave Mujahideen soldiers. God, this the fucking they suck so bad. Um couple questions since i'm hopefully not sure when you record this podcast catching you right before the end of the spider-verse episode well yeah you, hey. you got here right on the tail end look at you uh first off if you were to integrate miles into the mcu or any live action medium how would you do it and is there anyone you'd want to play him hmm. i don't really know how i'd introduce him into the mcu 
Because I feel like that's a years down the road thing. Yeah, I think the simplest answer I can parse is, in in my opinion, let's call Peter in the next movie, what, 17, 18? Yeah, he's I like think, 18. I think there's no reason to introduce a Miles into a Peter story until at like the earliest, maybe 25 for Peter. Like yes. the earliest. Peter needs at least a decade of just himself. I'm not against introducing Miles into the MCU. I just think personally it would need some time because far from home was so inherently about setting the stage for Peter to be his own Spider-Man that it would feel really jarring to just rush miles out before yes. like, it was time to cook that, you know, uh, I think give it seven, eight years and then there's the door for it. Once, once the freshness of Holland has worn off a little and we haven't had five Spider-Man in 10 years, you know, um, at that point, I think is the appropriate time to start considering five miles. So, so that actor, that actor that would be Miles is probably five or six right now. So I got nothing there. If the if the Marvel Sony deal holds the line uh, that long, we uh, we will see. Um, in my my own like ideal world, uh, just thinking of like weird shit. My own ideal world. Miles wouldn't show up until Peter's like in his thirties, like he is in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, just as a, like a dumb idea, uh, I always like the idea of Peter being a scientist when he grows up. That's fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think it would be cool to introduce Miles as like an intern working for Peter, and then have that conflict between like Miles trying to keep it a secret and Peter trying to help him. Yeah, that's fun. That'd be fun. I, I always uh, like the concept of Peter like doing like either Empire State University or like Future Foundation stuff, but like I've never like liked any of the specific arcs. I always just like the idea of Peter having a scientific career. Yes, they they do they do a good job of it in the PS4 game. Good, good. Um, but I do have a a kind of an idea for maybe how they could do Miles pretty recently. Oh yeah. Um, this is partly rumors that I've read. Partly stuff that I've come up with, uh, but things haven't been confirmed, obviously. But I'm assuming that very soon we're going to be getting some kind of live action Spider Verse movie. Oh, whether yeah. it's whether it's Spider Man three, or if I, in my own personal opinion, would prefer it as its own separate live action Spider Verse movie. Uh, there's going to be some kind of crossover between the three Spider Men. Uh, and I think here's how you would introduce Miles in that Spider Verse movie. You have Tobey Maguire's Peter make a big sacrifice play. He saves, uh, he saves Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield's lives, uh, and he ends up dying. And so you create a second series of movies that take place in the Raimi universe, but star Miles. Hmm. That is bold. That it could work. I have no clue. Flex. But I don't I'm know. not against it. I'm really it, not. That's it's, you've never mentioned that to me before. So that's it's, that's it's something I read about a long time ago as like a, a rumor, but it could work. I have no clue. I, it, it, would, it would be hard to prevent uh, Spider-Man saturation. But, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. And especially if it was in the hands of Sony, who cannot control themselves. I'm I, not uh, against the idea inherently. It's interesting to say the least, but it's it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting question to think of because Miles as a character was introduced because there had been like sixty years of Peter comics, and we haven't even gotten a st a stable live action Spider Man for more than three movies. So it's 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 a hard thing to answer. 
That was a very long answer to that question, but thank you, Matt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right? We always appreciate letters. The other question is, if you had to rank every costume from each film, worst to best, Ooh. what would it be? I have an answer planned out, so I'll go through mine so you can think, Alex. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, going from worst to best, uh, that would be Amazing Spider-Man 1. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 1 uh, like vigilante suit with the red balaclava and the sunglasses. Both of those look fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Um, then probably Raimi symbiote, because it's just really lazy. Uh, then probably... Mm, let's go with the MCU stealth suit. I'm not a huge fan of it. It's just kind of there. Um, then probably Raimi wrestling suit. Uh, Raimi two and three suit, Raimi one suit. Uh, what do I want? Um, Amazing Spider-Man two, MCU homemade, Iron Spider, Far From Home, Homecoming. Homecoming is my favorite suit. Alex, have you uh calculated your thoughts? I'm very nearly there. I might have forgotten one or two, but I. Th- think i'm there i don't think matt will be too disappointed if you forget one here is what i got from worst to best yeah worst to best amazing spider-man one raimi wrestling no i'm not i'm not terribly keen on the raimi wrestling suit myself i think it's kind of goofy looking with like the i like the raimi wrestling suit because it it, it looks it looks it looks nice i've got raimi symbiote right above that uh, this might be controversial. I've got Iron Spider right above that. Uh, I do think I I think it looks cool, and I think it looks better than the comic. But I like other stuff more. It's not that it's a bad suit; it's that I like other ones more. Uh, I have the stealth suit right above that. Um, I think it's a little goofy looking, yes, but I like that they decided to have at least some like non plot hole. Like, hey, we can't just have him wearing the fucking Spider Man suit in fucking you know Europe. <laughs> Uh, I, I like the I like what it serves practically. Yes. I guess I don't know. Uh, then I have Raimi two and three, topped by Raimi one, and then in my ascending final three, MCU homemade because I'm a big sucker for uh, Scarlet Spider in any capacity. I guess uh, Homecoming, and then the very best Far From Home. Fuck yeah, dudes rock. Um, all right. Let's see what the rest of the email. Uh, anyway. To close out this letter, I just wanted to briefly mention how this podcast, along with the recently released Miles Morales video game for PS4 and PS5, really managed to get me back into Spider-Man again. Not that I ever really stopped being into the character or anything, but it really made me want to go back and read some of the older comics. I did just that, and it just really struck me how Lee and Ditko nailed it right from the start. I highly encourage you, or anyone reading this, to go back and read some classic Spidey books, as they're still a great time. I would definitely agree. As I said in the introductory episode, most of what I've read is the original Lee Ditko run. And I talked about in that episode how everything that mo- pretty much Spider-Man came out from the gate fully formed. Uh, and that's that's kind of a rare thing for a superhero. Uh, like mm-hmm. you have the early Batman comics, which don't really feel like modern Batman comics. Uh, or like another Marvel example, Daredevil, when he was created by uh, Bill Everett and Stan Lee. He was like a weird swashbuckler, but it wasn't until the Frank Miller run where Daredevil really became the guy he we know today. Uh, so it's it's really unique to just have a two 
titans of their game come out and make this character and have it feel the same as it does now, like 60 years later. Yeah, it's not a feat that's easily replicated. No. Uh, and yeah, anyway, I'll close this out as this letter has no doubt become far too wordy for its own good. See you later, web slingers. Your fellow wall crawler, Matt. Thank you very much, Matt, for the email. Genuinely, genuinely thank you. It's a, it's always nice to hear from listeners. It is always nice. All right. I guess uh, we can sort of recap the season now that we're here at the end of it. We've reached the mountaintop and we got to wait until uh, December for the next Spider-Man movie. I think it's actually 11 months from now because I think <laughs> the 21st is when it comes out. Tick, tick, tick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This has been really fun. Yeah, no, I've sincerely enjoyed it. Um, it's uh, I remember when you proposed this, it was maybe a year ago or more. I'm not sure. It was uh, like maybe back in the, August of last year. It's been in the works a while, uh, but I am I'm glad we finally threw it and we've got more on the horizon. Um, this is, again, my first foray into anything like this, and I'm really yes. glad that it has gone at least as good as it has, because it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been really, really refreshing because it's it's allowed me to sort of look back at all of these movies and put them into perspective. It's made me rethink things that I've thought about, like the Raimi trilogy, for example, made me oh, yeah. re-examine those. And then obviously the first amazing movie since it came out. So it allowed me to re-examine that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, putting... Too the first time <laughs> looking at the MCU movies from a distance instead of looking at them from super close to when they were when they first came out mm -hmm. uh and then obviously watching Spider-Verse for the eighth time uh it's yeah it's really allowed me to to put everything in perspective really solidify how I feel about all of these movies yeah, um I have a whole new appreciation for Homecoming which I already like yes after, after definitely all. homecoming was a big example of like i just forget how good that movie is mm -hmm. um yeah, i'm glad we made it through it but yeah overall i guess our overall thoughts uh for me raimi good but flawed amazing very bad mcu good could possibly be even better mm -hmm. i think by and large for me uh raimi Definitely, people have a tendency to look at it with overt nostalgia goggles, but there is a lot of fun there if you can make it through the camp. Yes. Amazing had potential. It could have been unique. It could have been different. And instead, it got suckered into consumer grade. This is what the people want. And it's also not correct. Wanted. And it could have been something. And I'm, I'm excited to see them maybe right some wrongs with it in the future. Uh, maybe I think Andrew Garfield MCU. willing. I think the MCU movies are some of the strongest entries in the uh, MCU. Not quite the strongest, perhaps, but some of the strongest. Very resonant, very good, and definitely uh, original and strong Spider-Man stories. And I think Into the Spider-Verse, as I've already said, is a groundbreaking piece of cinema. It's the greatest animated film, I think, ever. And I think that it will outlive us all. Yes, correct. We should send this movie to aliens, so they should know that yeah, we come in peace. A whole race of Spider-Man worshippers. <laughs> my God, my people. Um, but yeah, I think in the end, we really just did this because we love this character and we love talking about him. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
hopefully they don't fumble the bag on Spider-Man 3. You'll be the first to hear about it, people. I'm going to be so mad if they fuck it up. <laughs> uh, but before we go, before I do my little outro spiel, I want to give some quick shout-outs. Uh, quickly shout-out to uh, Shinigami Eater and the Bone Zone people who have been very supportive of me and the podcast. Also, shout-out to 70mm Podcast and the VHS Villagers in the Discord. Those guys have also been super, super supportive. They've shouted us out multiple times. Thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you to Phoenix and King and Brian for all coming on the show. You guys were great, and you're welcome back to talk about fucking whatever. Uh, we just loved having you guys around. Uh, anybody who has ever sent in a, an email or a DM or ever even listen to the show, even for like five minutes, you're like, what the fuck is this? And you close out of the tab. Sincerely, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, this has been a big passion project of mine, and I really appreciate if you've ever listened to it. Very much uh, likewise. I have friends of mine who have chimed in and said they've listened to an episode or two. Uh, I had a very jarring experience yesterday where my mother told me she listened to the first episode and that I had to try to not let that color my like persona for recording this one. Like thinking, like, <laughs> oh, God, my mom's listening. Hi, mom. Um, my mom listens, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. So it's like she and she pointed out like it was weird hearing you like not go off at first. Your friend certainly curses a lot. And I was like, yeah, that's. <laughs> That's Lex for you. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for you, Ma. But yeah, uh, it's it's interesting knowing like I have a voice that's out there now, and and people are going to listen to this. So I'm hoping that this isn't the beginning of like a critical failure. I hope that uh, we're able to continue to do this and do it well, and uh, bring minimal light and joy into a handful of weird movie dorks like us lives. I'm I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss it for a bit, but uh, I'm I'm really truly glad and honored you invited me to uh, be part of this. It means thank a you, lot. brother, for being on this journey with me. Abs absolutely, anytime. Uh, this has been a, a highlight of our friendship. I think this is great. I think so. And remember, if you can watch these movies, form your own opinions. Don't just parrot what we say. Oh yeah. Uh, be your own person. Yeah. Anyone can wear the mask. Anyone can wear the mask. Well, that is our season. Thank you again so much for listening from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, if you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on whatever episode we record next, uh, you can send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com, or you can shoot us a DM on our Twitter, at spideysignals. When we come back, we're going to talk about Spider-Man. We don't know what. It could be <laughs> we, anything. <laughs> we know for a fact we'll be back for Spider-Man 3. We might talk about stuff in between. We have no clue. All we know is it'll be two guys with the same name talking about Spider-Man. Goddamn right. Stay responsible. Bye. Salute. In the mon, in the mon, in the Spider-Man. Friendly neighbor, Spider-Man. In the mon, in the mon, in the Spider-Man. See you in hell, Avi Arad. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs>